Welcome back to the Girl Scout Troop Leader Experience Podcast. This is your host, Sarah Heater. And recently in the Facebook group, I made a post asking if you could ask me anything and have me address it on a podcast, what would you ask me? And this episode is one of those questions. Okay, today's question is from listener Crystal. She asked this in the Facebook group. She requested an episode about running and getting leaders to service unit meetings. So I'm going to do this again in the style of if Crystal and I met up for lunch and she was like, okay, talk to me about running service unit meetings and getting leaders to actually attend. (laughs) Then this is just how I would answer. I do want to say, though, service unit meetings and service team stuff in general is a whole area of information that I have wanted to really tap into for a long time. I would love to do more content on this if it's interesting to you. So I don't know how many people listening, A, attend their service unit meetings to begin with, and more importantly to the relevance of these topics in the future, I don't know how many of you serve on your service team or want to serve on your service team, or would serve on your service team if it was effective, right? Which is a big if. So um, I, I wanna know, are you on your service team? Do you attend your service unit meetings? Are you involved in your service unit? I'm going to ask some of these questions in the Facebook group to try to get an idea from the people in the Facebook group. But if you have thoughts in general, especially after listening to today's episode about service units, service teams, and so on, I want to hear from you. Can you either let me know on in Facebook, in the Facebook group, or in a DM on Facebook, or can you send me an email? If you don't know how to contact me, you can email me at girlscoutpodcast at gmail.com. Super simple, making it easy. Or you can hop into the Facebook group. You can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash girlscoutpodcast. That's the page. There's also a link to the group there that you can join. So either one will work. But if you're interested in more information from the service unit level and the service team level, I'm happy to dig in more there. I have actually been really interested in tackling this. This is technically called the Troop Leader Experience podcast, not the Service Team Leader podcast. So I fully acknowledge that it is possible that that would be irrelevant to a lot of people listening. So I just want to know, is that relevant to you? But let's start with this episode just specifically being about service unit meetings. So If you're pretty new to Girl Scouting, and if you haven't been listening to this podcast for a long time, I have talked about what a service unit is in previous episodes, but just a quick understanding. You may call them service units in your area. You may call them neighborhoods. Those are, I think, like the two most common. There's a third one that's slipping my mind right now. Those are the two, I think, most common ways to refer to it. It's sort of your local geographic area within your council. So it could be like your town, your school district. It could be a couple of school districts in your area. It could be um, literally just a geographic area like from these cross streets to these cross streets and then these cross streets to these cross streets, like anything in that area. In my council, which is Arizona Cactus Pine, we actually have a map that shows where the different service units are, but also it's a little bit of a choice thing because the truth is, even if you live in a service unit that is geographically a specific area, but you want to be part of the one to the east of you, you actually can do that. You just have to get it switched in the system. Anyways, so service units and neighborhoods are a little bit fuzzy and they also are very inconsistent. So what a service unit and neighborhood looks like for one person is going to be very different to what a service unit and neighborhood looks like for another person, even within the same council. So in my specific council, the service units are completely different sizes. They um, 
the leaders in those service units have totally different experiences as far as what events are available, the level of support, how what the communication style is, and so on and so forth. It's going to totally vary from service unit to service unit. And I don't want to come right out and say some service units are better than others, but some service units have a much more robust calendar of events than others. Some service units have a lot more money in the bank because a lot of service units in neighborhoods, and this could vary depending on where you live geographically, but generally speaking, the service unit or neighborhood has a dedicated bank account just like your troop does. So some service units have more resources, like they just have more money in the bank. Some service units have a really well-established, committed group of volunteers running it on the service team and some have one or two people trying to do everything some people who are involved on the service team have been involved for many years that's very very common a lot of times the service team includes volunteers who have been involved for a decade plus maybe several decades sometimes those people are a wealth of knowledge and so if that's you (laughs) Awesome. Thank you for your service to girls and and adult volunteers in your area. Um, Sometimes those volunteers are a wealth of knowledge and information, and sometimes those adult volunteers can be stuck in old ways. They don't want to change. They don't like the new program. They don't like council leadership. They don't. They can be difficult. They can be challenging. And Um, that can be really disruptive for anybody else who wants to get involved on the service team. It can be disruptive for volunteers in the area, for troop leaders in the area. It can be disruptive to having a really robust, healthy service unit, but also almost every healthy, robust service unit has a long-term volunteer who's been around the block a time or two, who absolutely knows what to do, who knows tons of tradition, who has just a ton of experience doing this. Most of the time, a really, really well-run service unit also includes one of those people as well. So that that person could be difficult and challenging and disruptive to having an effective service unit, but they could also be the reason why the service unit is amazing. So it's hard to say. Um, and service units who don't have somebody kind of serving in that role of the sort of wise old owl type of um emblem I guess or like that role in the service unit there is a whole other level of of both pros and cons to not even having somebody like that and I say why is old owl I I didn't just come up with that or like pull that out of you know social commentary to describe these people owls are such a scouting um emblem worldwide and so referring to someone as a wise old owl in terms of serving that role in girl scouting I actually mean with the utmost respect like it's the history of our organization living in those people (laughs) so I actually um actually have a lot of love for the fact that these wise old owl women um, exist in Girl Scouting and Girl Guiding all over the world. And they are, um, I think that there's less, less um, catering to people in those roles in Girl Scouts in the USA these days than there used to be in the past. And so I think there are a lot of service units that don't have someone with a lot of years of experience to try to help run a service unit. And that means there's some sort of gray area and just sort of like figuring it out as we go. And uh, people who don't necessarily know what they are doing, they don't know what they want out of it. They don't know what other people want out of it. And they don't necessarily have the bandwidth to even do it and I think one of the benefits to the quote-unquote wise old owl role and this is not like a Girl Scout term this is just like a um I don't know a trope from society that I'm just choosing to call it that but we could totally call it that couldn't we anyways um so (laughs) I think that the the wise owl perspective um not having that or when we have that sometimes those women they're able to make girl scouts 
one of their top priorities in a way that a working mother of young kids may not be able to prioritize Girl Scouts just because of their life stage and all of the other juggling priorities. And so when it's all run by people who don't necessarily have the bandwidth to run it, then I think there are some obstacles that come with not having that person, even though that person can also be an obstacle. So Marcy added, um, what's the value in a service unit? How can it be organized to run well? And what are some options to increase engagement? Those kind of all go along with Crystal's question about service unit meetings, and that's kind of what I've been talking about so far. I think I'll bookmark Marcy's questions and what I've been talking about and go ahead and revisit that in another episode to specifically address that. Let's focus on Crystal's question, though, which is about service unit meetings. I think it was important to sort of establish what is a service unit and kind of like, um, where are we starting? Like, <laughs> let's get some baseline of (laughs) service units in general before we start talking about service unit meetings because I want to go ahead and be able to address what the different obstacles might look like to running an effective service unit meeting and to getting engagement and participation. So (laughs) if you didn't know, service units slash neighborhoods generally have meetings that take place usually monthly for all of the troop leaders in their service unit, in their neighborhood, in that uh, community. And so your service unit or neighborhood has probably monthly meetings that you could be attending and you should if you can. (laughs) Someone from your troop should if you can't, but you should try to attend them. And the reason I say you should, just as a blanket statement, and we've talked about this when I've done interviews in the past, and I ask people, what advice do you have for newer troop leaders? They commonly say, attend the service unit meetings, attend the neighborhood meetings. So there's a couple of reasons why they're important to attend before we actually talk about it from a leadership perspective of how should we be running them to make them effective. So One reason to attend simply is to get the information. Honestly, it's really hard speaking from a a former council staff perspective. I'm not currently council staff, but I was a decade ago. Um, And I have so I have some experience working at the council staff level. And it's very hard for us as staff members to communicate when we make decisions or when stuff is changing or when there's opportunities or stuff is going on to get that communication out to all leaders. We can send council emails. How many of you open all of your council emails? I don't. <laughs> we can post it on social media, but not everybody is on Facebook, not everybody is on Instagram, not everybody is on social media in general. Um, And even if you are on social media, you're not going to see everything that gets posted, especially from a business page. Like algorithmically, you're just not going to see it. We can post it multiple times on social media to increase the chances that you're going to see it. But still, chances are likely you're not going to get all of the information that's available for all of the things going on at council from all of the different people working at council and all of the people making decisions at council. So the best way to get information about what is happening in Girl Scouts both nationwide and at a council level is to attend your service unit meetings. (laughs) So that's the number one reason. The number two reason is to um, get the required training. So um, (laughs) again, this could vary, but the way it's supposed to work is that in order to participate in the nutmeg program, which is also usually called fall product because most people do not have cookies in fall. I understand some people do, but most people do not do cookies in fall. So we usually call the nutmeg program or nuts and magazines or whatever. That is f- usually also called fall program, fall product program. Um, there's also cookie program, which is normally in the winter slash spring. And um, in order to participate in those, you are supposed to, (laughs) 
(laughs) the way it's supposed to work, you are supposed to have attended a training with your service unit. The reason why that matters, no matter how many years you've been doing it, is because stuff changes. And the only way you can guarantee that leaders are getting the dates that they need and the standards that they need and the restrictions that they need to know about is by attending those, those trainings with your service unit, usually in person, okay? Um, a lot of councils will, for accessibility purposes and whatnot, will also offer a virtual option for completing the requirements, especially since COVID. Um, making it available virtually has had to be a priority. Also, I know there are councils who do not necessarily hold you to having completed any kind of training in order to participate, and then that makes cookies very, very hard. (laughs) And yes, if you've been participating year after year after year, those trainings are very repetitive and very redundant, and it can feel like a waste of time. But for the few details that are different and the few details that have changed, you need to be at the training. So that's another, that would be my number two reason why it's important to attend those meetings. The third reason why it is important to attend those meetings is to feel, in in my opinion, my personal opinion, the third most important reason is to be connected with other troop leaders in your community, to feel connected to the Girl Scout community, to know and feel connected to the piece that's bigger than yourself. It is so easy for us to just run our, that's okay, it's not easy to run a troop, (laughs) but once you're running a troop, it's so easy to just do it on your own by yourself, just with your own troop community and you're just doing Girl Scouts by yourself. But then you're missing such a part of the experience, which is that you're part of this larger community. And going to your service unit meetings is a way to get plugged in and be connected to the larger community of Girl Scouts. So all of that to say, if you have not attended your service unit meetings before now, I hope that you feel at least minutely persuaded to make it a priority to attend them. And if you don't know (laughs) how to attend your service unit meeting or when and where it is, (laughs) then I would recommend contacting your council. You should have a dedicated council rep. If you know who that is, you can contact them. They definitely know when your service unit or neighborhood meeting is. They should. That's like a huge part of their job. If you don't even know who your dedicated account rep is, which sometimes happens, you're supposed to. They're supposed to have introduced themselves to you when you became a leader. But things don't always go the way that they're supposed to. Even if it's a really effective person who's really good at their job, sometimes people slip through the cracks in this organization. It's just a thing that happens. And frankly, there's a lot of turnover in those jobs of council rep. And so your council rep may not even know really who you are that you exist. You're registered, but they don't know you. Um, and they don't know that nobody's ever reached out to you, right? Like, They're doing the best they can with what they've got. We just always need to assume they're doing the best they can with what they've got. Um, Sometimes their job is really hard too. So if you don't know who your council rep is, you do have one and um, you can just contact your general council number or anyone you know at council should be able to at least find out who your council rep is and then get you in touch with them or tell you how to find out who your council rep is. There's a way. <laughs> Where there is a will, there is a way. And um, and most of the time, it shouldn't be that hard to find out this information. But I know and I want to go ahead and acknowledge that some of us are very disconnected from council. And I've gotten messages from you guys who have said that you found this podcast and that it saved your involvement in Girl Scouts because you wanted your daughter to have this experience and you signed up to... Be part of it with her, either because you also wanted that experience or because you couldn't figure out how to make it possible for your girl if it didn't include you. And you have heard nothing from no one. You can't get a hold of people. You don't even know who the right people are to get a hold of. You don't know what you're doing. And you can feel so alone and frustrated and frankly angry in those moments. And I'm so grateful that this podcast serves that purpose in trying to help fill some of those 
those gaps. That's a huge reason why I even started this podcast to begin with is to try to fill some of those gaps. Because even in a super healthy council, in a super healthy service unit, you can still fall through the cracks. And frankly, we know there are a lot of councils and a lot of service units that are not operating at their optimum or ideal level. And so then the chances that you're a volunteer who falls through the cracks are even more likely. So um, I I know it can be frustrating and I want to just acknowledge um, kind of the steps that you can take to get connected to your service unit meetings. Now for those of us who are running service unit meetings because they are run by volunteers. So the first thing that I would say is if your service unit meeting is ineffective, the number one thing that you can do to make it more effective is get involved in helping to run the service unit meetings. (laughs) That's the number one thing you can do is join your service team. Again, I acknowledge that joining your service team is a mixed bag, just like any group of people. Sometimes it can be very clicky. They have a lot of things already pre-established and it can be difficult to plug in and to be effective. Um, It can be difficult to get along with certain personalities. Uh, Not all people are going to be best friends, right? And so sometimes it can be tough. Um, It can be challenging to overcome differences in opinions and perspectives. And this is something that I've personally experienced where I know what my intentions are and I know what I want to get out of the service unit in order to bring that, especially when I was a troop leader, right? Less less relevant now. But um, I know what I wanted in my service unit as a troop leader. I wanted to make that more available. I wanted to get involved on the service team. Not everybody on the service team wanted to provide the same experience that I was seeking. And so that was challenging sometimes. So I just need to acknowledge it can be challenging. (laughs) It can be challenging. Um, But getting involved and having the tenacity to be involved is the best thing that you can do to be the change that you want to see in your service unit. Um, So recommend it if you're not already. If you are already involved and you're struggling with how do I do these service unit meetings? How do I get leaders to attend? And how do I make them meaningful to, to the leaders who do attend? Because if you have been attending service unit meetings, especially if you've been attending them for a long time, years and years, and you've seen changes in service teams and council staff and all this, you have probably attended ineffective service unit meetings in your time. And for lack of a better word, sorry to any little ears listening, they suck. (laughs) It's just, it stinks to attend an ineffective service unit meeting. And most of us who attend who attend meetings in general have attended an ineffective service unit meeting at some time or another. <laughs> and I don't mean that offensively. I loved my service team leader when I was a, a Girl Scout leader, when I was a troop leader. Um, I loved my service team leader, my service team manager, my service unit manager. It's called all of those things. <laughs> I loved her. Um, we're very good friends and I know how hard she worked to lead those meetings and to organize those meetings and to make them as effective as possible and fun and, uh, to give people incentives for showing up. I know that she poured her heart into it and it's frankly a very thankless position. And, um, at the same time, I found a lot of those meetings to feel very irrelevant to me. I found it to be another thing, taking time away from my family. And um, in order for me to go drive there and attend it, I was part of a service unit. I picked the service unit I wanted to start a troop in because I didn't have a daughter in my troop. And so I chose to start a troop specifically in the service unit because of how much I loved the people involved in the service unit. Um, And so I drove to a different area in order to have a troop there. The girls in my troop were all in that geographic area, but I wasn't. And I chose to do that. So, I mean, I caused this problem for myself. But driving to that part of town for all my troop stuff and then also having to drive there for a service unit meeting that didn't feel engaging or productive or relevant to me for 
70 of the 90 minutes that I was there. <laughs> That's frustrating. So I empathize. I went for the 20 minutes that were relevant to me, right? And I went to support my friend who I knew was pouring so much of herself into running these meetings. Okay, so how can we make them better? (laughs) The first thing is to acknowledge that there's always going to be people who don't like attending and they attend anyway and they don't like it. There's always going to be people who refuse to attend because they don't want to add another meeting to their list or they literally can't add another meeting to their list of responsibilities and commitments. That's going to exist. So you can't please everybody. So go ahead and just acknowledge that right off the bat. One thing that I would really pose to you, and I really wanted to um, push this further with my service team, and I had gotten the blessing from both my council rep and the service unit manager to do, but then COVID hit, so we were all virtual, and then my troop fell apart, and so I'm not involved anymore, and so it didn't end up really going there. But one thing that I started the conversation of that I really wanted to drill in more deeply to was um, really looking at what is it that we want our service unit to do or be? And so an activity that I really wanted to do with my service team was to set some goals for what we all collectively thought a service team should do, a service unit should do, a service unit should be, what a service unit should offer to troop leaders. What should a service unit look like? Like operating in a best case scenario, what do we want our service unit to do or what do we overall what do we want it to be what do we want our core values to be and what do we have what are our goals and then to look at all of the tasks that our service unit does and try to fit them into the buckets of what we said a service unit should do or be so let me break this down in my opinion a service unit should offer resources to support new troop leaders In my opinion, a service unit should be a community for troop leaders to be able to connect with other troop leaders. In my opinion, a service unit should offer engaging opportunities for girls of all levels to participate in activities and events and projects with other girls that are not in their own troop, including individual girl members who are not in any troop. It should be a, there should be opportunities for engagement for girls of all levels. But in my opinion, the main priority of what a service unit should do is provide um, community and resources to the troop leaders. To me, what service units offer girls is secondary to what they offer troop leaders. That's not necessarily everyone's opinion and perspective. It's my opinion and perspective. As you guys know, by the fact that I have a whole podcast for troop leaders, I think that there's a ton of stuff out there being done for girls. I think that what the troops offer is for girls. I think that what GSUSA offers is for girls. I think what council offers is for girls. I think service units are an opportunity to offer something for adults and adults within our organization and I know that's not everyone's opinion and I do think that service unit opportunities for girls also matter but in my opinion that's how I would structure it and I think really what I'm talking about here is actually answering both Crystal and Marcy's questions so I apologize for the long episode. And if you want more episodes breaking out some more specific things about service units, we'll do that in the future. But maybe I can put it all in this episode. Anyways, so in my opinion, that should be the priority. And so if we can get to a point where we agree on what the priorities of the service unit are, which for me is primarily resources and support for new troop leaders, community for all troop leaders, and opportunities for girls to connect with each other beyond the troop environment. Then we look at all the things the service unit is doing and we say, how do they fit into those buckets? So do we, and part of the reason I wanted to do this with my service team (laughs) 
is because there were things that the service team was very attached to that they'd been doing for a long time that they were frustrated to get attendance and participation and volunteers to participate in that didn't fall into any of those categories. And so my thought is, if we're doing things that do not fall into those priority buckets, then why are we doing them? Also, if one of the big priorities, which to me it is, is to support new troop leaders and we are doing nothing... (laughs) that or very little that falls into that if that's our first top priority which is the first one i listed if that's the first top priority and maybe it's the second because maybe the first priority is just a community for all troop leaders but if the first top priority is supporting new troop leaders and we've got all these things in and the third priority is is opportunities for girls and the bulk of what we're doing is supporting opportunities for girls and we're doing virtually nothing to support new troop leaders, then we need to physically see that. So that's something that, um, and yes, I acknowledge this is all more about Marcy's question. Then that's something that we as a service team need to shift. And I think it's relevant to Crystal's question because when it comes to service unit meetings that leaders will actually attend, (laughs) we need to think about what's the point and what's the purpose of the meeting itself. So the value in a service unit, which was Marcy's question, is to me, and I don't know which one is one or two, but I would say number one, supporting new troop leaders. Number two, community for existing troop leaders. Number three, opportunities for girls beyond their troop. So then If the service unit meeting, which is usually offered monthly, and I think it should be monthly because we need to know, you know, what's going on each month, then the service unit meeting should be centered around what is actually going to meet those criteria, what's actually going to work to move forward, to push the needle, right, Um, on those three priorities, And maybe you have some other priorities in your head if you're already involved on your service team or in your service unit. Maybe there's other priorities that are really important to you beyond those three. That's totally allowed. Um, (laughs) Like, that's not the be-all, end-all. So for me, I would look at ensuring that you've got definitely some really robust support for newer leaders and these would be brand new leaders up to leaders who have been involved for three years i would count all of those leaders as quote unquote new leaders there's still so much to learn by year three right we're still really 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 just like starting to feel like we know what we're talking about we know what we're doing and pretty much anything could come up and we could tackle it um by the end of year three but year three is still like there's so much new stuff I've never even heard of like I know people in you know three years in who didn't know what swaps were or had never made a sit upon or who um had never participated in a flag ceremony or who are just now starting to branch out with camping and travel or which makes sense progression wise right or who um, are working with a whole new level of girls for the first time. They've never worked with this level of girls, obviously, because you just started, right? Um, And so on and so forth. So by year three, there's still so much that's new. I got a message from somebody who had been involved for several years who listened to um, the bridging episode that we did recently and um, I had mentioned the requirements for the official bridging patch and she was saying she had been involved for years and literally didn't know until she heard my episode that there were any requirements for the bridging patch and she'd been involved for years. So when I say a new leader is from zero to three years, I'm not saying that in order to be patronizing or demeaning in any way. There's just so much information (laughs) (laughs) there's so many things there's so much detail there's so many ways that we can always progress and learn and and so I think three years is like kind of a magic number also three years is such a common drop-off point that people don't make it past three years of being a troop leader three years is a really really common turnover point and it's a really critical retention point so I think serving leaders in that zero to three year bucket 
um, would really help with that three plus year retention. Okay, so this is an opportunity for new leaders to connect with each other. This is an opportunity for new leaders to ask questions that there's no dumb question. This is an opportunity for new leaders to get Girl Scouting 101 level information <laughs> and 102 and 201, right? Like <laughs> the first three semesters of Girl Scouts. Um, and uh, yeah, so I think that all of those things can go into that supporting new leader bucket. Um, I also think, and I think those opportunities need to exist at service unit meetings. There needs to be a lot of catering to specifically supporting new leaders. We can't make the assumption that every leader who's attending is a long-term leader. And those few who are long-term leaders need to be understanding that the meeting is going to be presented in a way that is accommodating and supporting new leaders. Any long-term volunteer wants to support new leaders to become long-term volunteers and so if the meeting is is uh structured in that way then they're actually more likely to participate and be involved in supporting the new leaders who are present and new leaders showing up and having no idea what people are talking about because frankly it sounds like you're speaking another language i don't know what any of this information means everybody else in the room seems to know so i'm just going to keep my mouth shut and pretend i do and i'm going to leave having learned nothing and i'm unlikely to come back that's not the environment we're trying to create so we want new leaders to come um, so that's like a big thing is that if the value is there for those um, those buckets of what your priorities are for your service unit, and I think you need to decide that as a service team, what your priorities are. I told you my three, and I'm going to structure this based on what my three are, because as far as what's the value in a service unit and how can we organize it to run well, that's my opinion. Um, but I think that you should do that activity with your service team and talk about what your priorities are and hear what everybody says their priorities are. Decide on three or four and then look at every single thing you do and figure out how it can fit into those buckets. And then when you run a meeting, always run the meeting with the perspective of these are the priorities of the service unit and communicate that to the service unit. Communicate that to the troop leaders. This is our priority as a service team of what we want to do for the service unit. And everything we do is going to come back to these priorities because then you're giving them language of what the value is in the service unit and why they come to meetings. Okay, some things that I really think should be part of service unit meetings. I really think there should be opportunity to network and be engaged with the other leaders in the room. So some masterminding opportunities. And this could look like all kinds of things. And this is something that I really wanted to implement. I was sort of on the fast track to take over to be service unit manager after my existing service unit manager. Obviously, that's not the case now because I don't have a troop in that service unit. And frankly, I've moved since then even further away from that service unit than where I started. I at least used to live close. I don't even live close anymore. It's a good uh, 45 minutes to an hour each way for me to get to that service unit. So even when I do get back involved with a new troop, which I do plan to, um, even when I do start a new troop, it's going to be in the area that I live now. So I'm definitely not going to be the service unit manager ever in that service unit, but in the old one. Anyways, um, this is something that was really important to me that I really wanted to be present at service unit meetings which is an opportunity to talk to each other. I felt like a lot of what the service unit meetings were that I attended was having somebody who was leading the meeting talk at you. Um, my service unit manager, who I loved, my friend, um, she started implementing more like where some of the longer term volunteers would have an opportunity to share specifically something um, about their experience. And so like I led a session at a service unit meeting about GSLE, the, the Girl Scout leadership experience, which you guys know I've talked on this podcast a lot. If you're new to this podcast, by the way, and I know it's a new school year, so we've got a lot of new listeners. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here. I really hope this is helpful. There's so much in the back catalog, so much value. I've been doing this podcast since two 2018. I'm super research driven. I love the program, how the program structured, why it's structured the way it is, how to implement the program so that it's effective. That's the bulk of what we do here in this podcast. So 
definitely go check out GSLE. But if you've been listening for a while or if you've cleared, binged a bunch of that back catalog, then you know that GSLE is something I know a lot about and I'm really interested in and I believe in it so much. And it changes the way you do everything when you're coming at it from the perspective of GSLE first and foremost at all times. The badge requirements are a moot point. It does not matter as long as you're doing whatever you're doing in the spirit of GSLE. And so I led a training on that at one of our service unit meetings to help leaders new and old have that kind of perspective when approaching everything they do with their troop. And so somebody did some swap stuff, somebody did some crafting things, somebody did um, health and safety, first aid, like we did all kinds of things that people who had specialized experience, they led training around that specific thing. Finance, managing your troop finances, all kinds of stuff. I think that was really good. That a cool thing that my service unit manager did is she had like a theme for each meeting or a topic for each meeting. And then she had somebody in the service unit come and present on that specific topic at that meeting. So like led a training essentially. Um, so yeah, so I think that that was really helpful. Also, one of the things we did at our service unit meetings that I really liked was in the spirit of service. And so um, because that's such a Girl Scout thing, um, every single service unit meeting had a service project that everybody who attended would try to participate in. And not everybody did. I didn't participate every single time, but I tried to. So like at the beginning of school, we would always do school supplies. And so everybody would donate school supplies at the beginning of the year. Going into the holiday season, we would do new and used toys in really good condition that could be donated. Um, Certain months we might do um, just kind of random topics like we did um, sanitary supplies like menstruation supplies. We did hygiene. We did um, backpacks at one point. So all kinds of things that could be donated. Now, I really liked this because I really liked that connection to service, but it also felt like one more expense and one more thing I had to coordinate and do. And frankly, I don't necessarily see how that aligns with those three priorities that I laid out for the service unit. Now, somebody's service team might determine that one of your priorities is to serve your community and to be engaged with your community and to be involved with your community. So like, my service unit was based in, when I had a troop, was based in Scottsdale. And so maybe being connected to Scottsdale and serving Scottsdale and supporting Scottsdale was part of our um, our service unit priorities. It was maybe to, um, to help Scottsdale and to serve Scottsdale and also for Scottsdale to have a really strong presence of Girl Scouting, to know, to have a brand recognition of Girl Scouts, to identify the Girl Scouts, to know the Girl Scouts who are in their community, but also that um, we serve the community and we're plugged into the community and we're engaged with our community. I think that's a really good idea if that's important to you and to your service unit. Um, I think that would be really cool if that was part of your service unit's priorities. For me personally, those other three I think are more important, but maybe I would tack on serving your community at large as a fourth priority. (laughs) Um, that, That could totally count. In which case, there'd be a reason to do service projects. Otherwise, again, it just sort of feels like, why are we doing this? So um, questioning, again, I mentioned this in a previous episode, talking about like questioning why you do all things. I think questioning why you do all things that you do as a service unit can be productive. So um, another thing that we used to do to try to encourage participation, both in like the service projects to attending to completing like required trainings and things like that um, is we would get points that we could then basically use for prizes. So my service unit manager had been involved in Girl Scouts for so long. She had such a collection of things. She's also involved in a lot of other youth 
uh, oriented things in the community and so she would just like accumulate all this stuff girl scout themed stuff or just stuff that you could use with kids or whatever and so she would bring it to meetings as prizes and then we would do drawings if you participated you got x number of drawings into or x number of um tickets into the drawing and then they would do drawings for prizes so that was one way she tried to encourage attendance and participation in things I gotta be honest I thought it was cool at first and then I felt like I'm not sure that this is effective because for those who come and participate all the time they get prizes all the time and then they're overloaded with stuff I don't know that those stuff are not necessarily helpful I think it could be helpful if the the prizes were five dollar gift cards to the council shop or to the online girl scout shop which by the way are not created equal if you have gift certificates locally they cannot necessarily be used online although they're working on creating a national system but like yeah so it could be helpful to your council shop it could be helpful to get um, we call them program credits but it's sort of like a council gift card it can be used toward camp or events or registration or in the shop Um, it's separate from a council shop gift card which can only be used at the council shop so you know your council may have different programs that work different ways but like those kinds of things i could see being maybe good prizes that are actual incentives because all of us could use help when it comes to taking the price off of badges and uniforms and participation fees but the flip side of that is that budget has to come from somewhere so like that's only going to work if your service unit has resources to work with so yeah so I don't know about that but it could work it could work for you Um, Another thing that I think is really helpful for service unit meetings is um, keeping them short keeping them organized, having an agenda, and then sticking to the agenda. Your meeting agenda should be one page <laughs> of this is what we're doing. Um, and yeah, so I think that that matters. I think getting leaders to attend also is accessibility. I think you should consider the day of the week, the time of the day, the um, online accessibility versus in person. Obviously, we want people to show up in person if possible, but you're probably going to get higher participation if you have opportunities to participate online. I mean, I got to be honest, most of the time I probably would have attended online if given the choice. And because we didn't have an online option pre-COVID, I had to attend in person. So that encouraged me to attend in person. I probably would have attended online most of the time if I had a choice. But once COVID was a thing, I had no reason not to go when I could just attend online because I could literally hook into the Zoom call and make dinner at the same time. Um, but the fact that it was at dinner time when people have to feed their families, that was really challenging. Um, but the flip side is if you had it in the afternoon, a lot of people wouldn't be at work. So um, you just kind of have to think about like, how are you going to best accommodate accessibility? The other thing that I think is helpful with a virtual option is a recorded option. So can people watch the recording later if they can't attend in person? Now, how many people are actually going to watch a replay? I don't know. But my service unit had a Facebook group. I thought we should be, even before COVID, we should be streaming this video into the Facebook group and people can watch the replay. That just would be really helpful. Um, So I think that that's another way to kind of get some participation. But honestly, the best way to encourage people to attend is to provide value in them being there and also a lot of communication about the when and where and why. So marketing, (laughs) marketing the meeting and that takes bandwidth and so i'm not criticizing service teams who don't necessarily have a good handle on it it's hard it would take a lot of bandwidth um but marketing those meetings facebook messages um or facebook i'm sorry facebook posts like a facebook group helpful 
a text app or remind app of some kind to text everyone to remind them email reminders and not just pick one do all of them right and when we tell people when it is we need to also give them a reason to see value in attending if they see the value in attending they'll be there keep it short in my opinion they need to be less than an hour like these meetings cannot go on and on. They just cannot. You're going to have to find ways to get other information and trainings out without forcing people to sit there for two, two and a half, three hours on a weeknight when they also have a troop meeting that week and they also have families to get home to and they also have jobs, right? Like we have 10 million things we're juggling and we cannot sit there for two to three hours every month. Like, just know an hour keep it to an hour and or less right um I started to touch on this but like a masterminding or like a group engagement there's so many things that that could look like it could look like okay we're gonna put up a topic and you're gonna talk at your tables your individual tables in small groups about that topic and it could be how do you these questions that are on here right how do you run meetings how do you keep girls engaged how do you get rsvps for events what do you charge for dues whatever it can be everybody ask whatever question is on your mind and just discuss or you could pose a question and everybody talks about it you could um also do what we called in my troop (laughs) speed dating where people walk around the room physically to a new person and they discuss a specific topic or they ask a specific question and get the answer and then they're they have 90 seconds or whatever and then they move on to the next person and the next question you could do um like a bingo board a bingo card where you find people and you ask them a question or you find somebody who meets this criteria and you get them to sign off on that bingo square and they go around and they talk to people right but we should be talking to each other we should not all be recreating the wheel. We need a chance to talk to each other and engage with each other and get to know each other. Frankly, we should know each other. I think also there needs to be recognition and acknowledgement of the cool stuff that's happening. Let's find out what troops are doing and have them share what's going on in their troop. I got a really cool work recommendation the other day that would totally apply to Girl Scouts, which is ask people what are you working on right now? What is your troop working on right now? Or what are you working on right now with your troop, right? What are you really proud of that your troop has done this year or has done in the past in general? And getting people to share those things. What are your big obstacles right now? What's your biggest obstacle that you're facing with your troop right now? And get people to share that. And then we can talk about it, right? But it's also ways for us to get to know each other because one of the biggest issues that I have had And this may surprise you if you know how long I've been doing this podcast and how big this podcast has gotten. Um, Or maybe it's not surprising to you at all because maybe you hate me. I don't know. Or you hate listening right now. But I have received literally zero recognition from my council or from GSUSA ever in the history of my volunteering. Zero. Nothing. No recognition formally. Um, the only recognition that I've gotten from council is every single leader gets mailed a quote unquote gift each year. And it's like (laughs) one year we got like a reusable straw, (laughs) like a rubber straw that folds up into a little case that you can put into your purse and take with you, um, anywhere to cut down on plastic usage because you're using your own reusable straw that you can bring with you everywhere handy in your purse, uh, or your pocket. And then one year we got like a cutting board. That's like a mini cutting board. That would be really easy to take camping or whatever. Um, And it's wood and it's pretty. It's embossed. Like it says Girl Scouts or the council name or something. I don't really know. Um, To be honest with you guys, like I think that is a waste of budget. I don't understand how I'm supposed to feel recognized or acknowledged by that. I think it's a nice try. It's something, but I think it's silly. So, um, and if anybody from my council is listening, listen, I know I worked there. I know how hard it is. You're trying. I love you. I love my council. But that is the only form of recognition I have ever personally received other than like thank yous from my troop or thank yous from you guys. And believe me, I appreciate that so much. But from Girl Scouts, the organization, the council or GSUSA, I have never been recognized as an individual employee or um, an individual volunteer. 
And I think that the biggest reason why recognition is so hard is because we don't know what each other is doing. And so I think in your service units, having an opportunity to hear what troops are doing and for each other to hear what other troops are doing, not only are we learning from each other, but it's also going to make recognition so much easier. I was in a sorority in college and we used to do this thing called paper plate awards every semester. And we would draw a random sister's name and then we would hand out paper plates and then everybody had to decorate their paper plate as an award to honor that specific sister. Something like that would be so simple to do, to implement, but the reality is my experience in a service unit is that if I had drawn someone's name, I probably wouldn't have even known who the person was. Even if we both had been attending meetings, I did not know their names let alone anything about them in order to be able to recognize them. And you guys, I was on my service team and I did go to my service unit meetings. So especially if I was not a common participant, I definitely could not have done that. So we need to share more. We need to share what's going on with our troops, with each other. And then something like that where we recognize each other and acknowledge each other would be so easy. You could so easily create um, like a recognition um time where you're just shouting out cool stuff that's going on in people's troops or recognizing people you could do an award ceremony for your leaders there are so many ways that you could recognize your leaders but you have to know what your leaders are doing and frankly your leaders can recognize each other that doesn't have to all fall on the service team's shoulders the leaders can recognize each other but you have to give them the information to do so part of the reason so few leaders have received the formal recognitions is because there is a lengthy nomination process process and so you have to know that person really well and you have to know what they do really well to be able to nominate them you guys know me you know how much i believe in this i would nominate people like crazy for those awards if i knew what any of them were doing how am i gonna write you a letter of recommendation when i don't know anything about what you do i don't even know what your name is i just recognize your face because we both attend these monthly meetings right we need to be sharing information. So masterminding and sharing, sharing out loud to the whole group, talking and discussing topics in small groups, talking and discussing topics one-on-one and shifting through different people of who you're talking to or having a quote-unquote buddy or mentor within your service unit so that that person is going to know you really well and you're going to know that person really well. All of those things would be so helpful, right? So Those kinds of things, in my opinion, are going to bring enough value to your meetings that people want to attend. And frankly, they're going to encourage the other leaders that they know to also attend. Just like with Girl Scout meetings. If our meetings are good, if they're effective and fun, girls want to attend, right? So same thing with adults. Okay. You know, I've talked a lot about both Crystal and Marcy's questions. I still have more thoughts on it. There's still so much that I, ideas that I have or things that I could share about service unit meetings and service units in general, service unit activities, activities for girls, activities for adults, ways to engage with adults on the service unit level. I have so much more I could say on this topic, but I've already been talking for a really long time. This was, this feels like a really long episode already. So I'm going to leave it here for now um, while I'm still around the hour mark and and I, um, I hope that this was really helpful. I hope it was interesting. I hope it felt relevant to you. Um, and just remember, if none of these things that I'm talking about do exist at your service unit level, you can help bring them to your service unit. And we all deserve to have access to these things. New leaders need access to support. All leaders need access to community and girls need access to opportunities beyond the troop scenario to connect with other Girl Scouts, both in their level and outside of their level. So to me, those are all big priorities. And I'm going to tack on a bonus number four, which is engaging with your community and supporting your community and serving your community as a fourth potential priority. Now, you may have other ideas that I didn't even think of because I didn't even think of that fourth one until like, what, 40 percent? 60%, I don't know, of the way through this podcast episode. 
So you may have other ideas of what would be really good priorities or goals for your service unit, and those are all so relevant. Also, you may disagree with mine. You may not think that those are the the top three priorities for a service unit in general. That that may not be what you want to get out of your service unit or what you want to offer as a service unit, and that is totally a-okay, right? There's no wrong way to do it. That's just my opinion. And personally, I think that if the goal is to get more people to attend your service unit meetings there has got to be something in it for the adults they have got to get something out of it um and i didn't mention this but also they should be fun make your service unit meetings fun oh my gosh if they're painful or miserable or critical or negative or then nobody wants to go to that so they've got to be fun so Anyway, if you want more on this topic, please let me know. If you loved this, please let me know. If you hated it and you're like, never talk about this again, also please let me know because that just helps me know what is and is not helpful for you guys. Okay, that's it for now. I will see you next week. Oh, if you have questions you want to ask me as if we went to lunch or we met up for coffee or something like that, you want to know, you would ask me, what would you ask me in that scenario? If you have questions for me, ask them. Girlscoutpodcast at gmail.com or facebook.com slash girlscoutpodcast. Those are the two easiest ways to get a hold of me. And I can't wait to hear from you. I love hearing from you. Okay. Talk to you soon. Bye.